0: that everyone is edified and God is glorified. You know, Romans 1 tells us men in their unrighteousness... Thank you. Men in our unrighteousness suppress the truth about God. And uh, I've been around for a while now and I've read God's word and, and been a Christian man for many years at this point. And uh, I'm more aware of that and more convinced of that now than I've ever been before I can see it more clearly how the truth about God is suppressed in this world and and lied about and twisted and because of that so many people never get to taste the truth and God's word and uh, one of the main ways he does that is 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 with the word of God you know there's also, for many centuries, the Word of God was kept from people, and, and, and men had thousands of people had to die just to free it out and give it to the rest of the world. And yet, at this point, you know, there's so many myths and, and distortions about God's Word, and, and some of them are very simple. Just like it's, it's a mystery, it's undecipherable, you know, you can't understand it. And, and uh don't even try, or you know it's not real it's it, it's not practical to your life right now it's none of these things so you know we're going to look at just a couple of verses of scripture and uh you know if you read these things without some understanding and God will give you understanding if you seek it, it can easily seem like a bunch of holy words and and something that's mystical and and out there but it's not and we're going to look at that you know and 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 as we look at that in this scripture we're going to we're going to begin to understand that that's a, most of scripture so we're going to go to uh, first second peter chapter 1 right now i'm just going to read the first four verses Simon Peter a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received the faith the same kind of ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and in Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. See, that can either be the most unbelievable, outrageous statement of truth in the history of the world that in four verses God just told you, you know what, you have everything you need through me. Pertaining not only to this life here on earth but to eternal life that's what he just said there it wasn't just a bunch of words he threw out there for effect it was very direct and very simple Poor, uh, Peter IDs himself as an apostle which we know is the highest office in the, in, the, in the Christian rank I believe the apostolic age ended with the death of the apostles and uh But we know through our, uh, he also, in the same verse, he identifies himself not only as an apostle, but as a slave. And then he continues on and says, to those who have received the faith, the same kind of ours. That's a Greek phrase, the same kind of ours, meaning someone of equal standing, of equal rights. So Peter, um, who is the number one, uh, matter of fact, he was one of the three most beloved apostles. Probably you would think he's the highest ranking Christian of all. He says, yeah, I'm an apostle, but I'm a slave of Jesus. I serve Jesus. And you know how I serve him? In the same rank and standing that you do. You know, the church has many offices. We learn about them uh, in Ephesians, evangelists, pastors, teachers, preachers. Later on in other parts of scripture, we learn about encouragers and servers and things like that. And you know what? As Paul says, with the church, the church is a body. And, and the body, certain parts of the body can't say to other parts of the body, I'm more important than you. Or, or you have I have no need of you. The eye can't say to the hand, well, I can see, but I don't need you hand. The body needs each and every one of us. So if you have a gift just to encourage people, to serve, to clean up, Or if you have a gift to teach and to preach, you're just as important as Brian. You're just as important as Terry or anyone else who works here. You know, we're all in this together, and we're all slaves of Christ. But a bond slave is someone, you know, every word in the Bible, I love it, has meaning. A bond slave is not a slave under duress. It's a slave who chooses to work for his master. That's who's, that's who's Peter's iding himself on. We have the same rank and standing as all other Christians. We stand before God of equal rank. He continues on and say, "Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord." The word knowledge there. John does a great job of this. Brian does it too. It's a Greek term. This is why I recommend a study Bible. You've got to have one. Because they give you the meaning of these terms. You don't have to go looking for it. You're reading the scripture, and in a study Bible, the explanation's on the same page. And you can look it up, and it turned my life around when it came to reading the Bible. I highly, rem- highly recommend MacArthur's study Bible. So... He said once again, a Greek term, knowledge, but it's not just, you know, we say knowledge, okay, that's knowing about something. No, in, in the Greek, sometimes word had six or seven different meanings. And this word means a strengthened knowledge, a total knowledge, an intimate knowledge. So Peter's saying, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So how is your grace and peace going to be multiplied? By learning about Jesus our Lord. You want grace in your life? What is grace? We hear that word a lot in here. It's unmerited favor from God. It's getting good stuff from God that you don't deserve. But you know what? He wants to give it to you. So we, we need to learn about God. We need to learn about Jesus. Jesus. MacArthur says, and he's my guy, he's my number one guy. He's my go-to guy, John MacArthur. If you don't know about him, you should learn. I feel like he's, you know, he's the man. <laughs> but he stands equal with me before God. <laughs> uh, so Christianity, according to John MacArthur, is based on an I want you to listen to these words, is based on a, an objective historical, revealed rational truth from God it is intended by God for us to understand and believe it's not a mystery it's not hidden God wants you to know this and not only does he want you to know this he makes a way for you to have it and we're going to look at that I've got my iPad That's, that's as high tech as I get Clip, cl- clipboard <laughs> uh, okay verse 3 seeing that his divine power now we, we, we start to break it down a little seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by His own glory and excellence? Once again, through the true knowledge of Him. That's a, once again a strengthened term, and in, an intimate knowledge of Jesus. And he, now He threw in the word "true," because you can learn about Jesus in a lot of places in this world. You know, if you're getting your messages about Jesus, if you're getting your information about Jesus from the History Channel, you got a problem. You're not getting a true message. There is only one true message from God and that is God's word you know and if you don't know that if you're new here or what, maybe you don't believe that I came to God by saying God I don't know what's true I'm going to read the Bible and if it's true show me and you know what he showed me I was dying to walk away from it I couldn't so so Here's some, uh, strong, Here's a strong statement. His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness, once again through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. God just said his divine power has given you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. By life he means eternal life. By godliness he means godly righteous living before him while you're here on earth. Now if I got on the, uh, the home shopping network and said, you know what? For 10 easy payments of uh, 9 dollars I can give you eternal life. And I can give you everything you'll ever need to live a godly abundant life on this world. How much money do you think I'd make? If I could back that up. You know, God can back that up. He says that's what you can have. You know, we think about death. Well, some of us, actually, I shouldn't say that. We don't think about death. We kind of push death away. You know, I've been around a lot of death because of my career. And, you know, no matter how much you're around it, when you're confronted by it, you kind of shudder on the inside. And you kind of want to take a step back because you know it's final. You know, I was walking through the park couple of weeks ago. before A lot of times I take long walks on Sunday before church. Come to think of it, I take long walks in in shorts in like 35 degree weather with a backpack and uh, I found these two dead animals. So pray for me, this is my idea of a good time. But uh, I, I see these two dead animals in the park and I was looking at them and I, I was just struck by you know, everything's still there, the eyes, the hair, the, but everything's not there. It's gone. It's final. They're never moving again, you know. And so as human beings, we step back from that. Let's put up 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. But while we were still in this tent, we groaned, being burdened. Not that, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. That's good. When he says, while we are in this tent, he's talking about, while you're in this tent, you're alive. Not that we would be unclothed. We don't want to be unclothed. We don't want to die. I don't want to die. But I do want my death, which I know is coming, to be swallowed up in eternal life. Don't we all want that? Next verse. He prepared us for this very thing. The very thing that the most basic thing that every human being wants, that every human being avoids their entire life. Death. I don't want to think about it. It's coming. I don't want to think about it. I'll work out more. I'm staying young. I don't care. But it's coming. So we don't want to think about it. And then we have a verse of scripture that says, I've prepared you for the fact that your death is going to be swallowed up by an even greater life. Incredible. Incredible. He says... His divine power has granted us that. Okay, what's his divine power? He's making a big claim here, right? That he can grant us eternal life and everything we need on this earth. How can his divine power do that? What is it? Can we count on it? Well, let's look at how Jesus, when he was confronted by death, how did he respond? You know, if you read the Gospels, you know at one point, He was confronted by death when a little girl died in the town, and he got there a little late, and he was going into the house, and all the people in the town said, what's he going in there for? She's dead. He went in there, he took her by the hand, she sat up, he said, give her something to eat, and went on away, and she lived. And this was attested to, once again, remember what MacArthur said earlier, scripture is historical, revealed Fact: Hundreds, if not thousands, of people seen this. He went to go to his friend Lazarus, who was dead three days. He did that on purpose. He said he did that on purpose, not for him, not for God, for us, so we could see what his divine power. He said, "Open up the tomb." They said, "Jesus, don't do that. He's been dead three days. He's going to stink." You ever smell death? It's nothing like it. Come for a walk with me in the park, (laughs) Willem. We'll work on that, no. uh, (laughs) He said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus came out. Lazarus stood alive. And his final and greatest example of his divine power, and there are other things, he died on the cross. He died on the cross by Roman crucifixion. We all know some little bit about history. The Romans were the masters and rulers of the world because of their military greatness. And they knew how to kill people. They were really, really good at it. And one of the worst ways they killed people, if not the worst, was crucifixion. And when you died of crucifixion, you died publicly in front of thousands of people And to make sure with Jesus, because he died rather quickly, according to how crucifixions go, in front of probably, once again, maybe a thousand, a couple of thousand witnesses, they drew a sword sword right through him. And his bodily fluids emptied before he was dead. Just like I look at those animals in the park and I look at them. Or you go to a wake, you know, and, and you ever go to a wake and you come back from the casket and somebody says yeah you know he he looks good I'm like yeah okay he looks dead really but uh, you know I get the custom but he he looked a lot better yesterday Uh, but his uh you know Jesus was dead and his divine power conquered death three days later the scriptures tell us once again revealed historical fact that thousands of people 500 people saw him they ate with him they did things together Jesus lived after death when Jesus was confronted by death his divine power overcame death he's demonstrated it that's why he can tell us that in his verse and we can count on it it's not just the story There are other parts of Jesus' divine power. How about creation? You know, uh, Colossians says he created everything that you have ever seen or will ever see out of things that are not seen. That everything that was created by him and for him and through him. And he holds all of it together by the word of his power. That's what he does. He holds this whole earth together from a baby's eyelash to the galaxies he created all how by things that are unseen in other words he just said let there be light and there it was that's divine power so verse four we're going to kind of go over a little put it together a little bit for by these I'm going to read it, and then we're going to break it down. For by these, verse 4, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent, magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world. We'll break that down. By these, by what? By his divine power, which we just talked about, by the true deep knowledge of him, so the, by these... Those two things he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises. What were they? Eternal life and godliness. See how one thing is building upon another. This isn't some mystery, mystical, mysterious, hidden thing. It's a blueprint to this. It's stepping stones to exactly what God wants you to do. So by these he has uh, he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises. Which are eternal life and godly abundant life here on this earth. So that by them, what? Those two promises. If you have the promises in your heart and you believe them by faith. That you have eternal life. And you have the power to live a godly righteous life before God. Not a perfect life. Jesus here is to forgive us our sins. But if you have those, you may become a partaker of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption of the world that is here on earth. Put up Romans 8, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 20 and 21. We'll talk about the corruption of the earth a little bit. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, because of him who subjected it in hope. 21. so that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption once again that word corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God everything in this world like we just talked about from that baby's eyelash to the heavens above is bonded to corruption you're bonded to corruption I'm bonded to corruption we're going to die we have wonderful lives and we love to live them, but we all know deep down inside that they're coming to an end. You ever paint a wall and it looks so good. It's nice and clean and fresh, the lines are straight. I know Mike knows that feeling. And then you come back a couple of weeks later and you see a little scratch, you say, ah, let me touch that up. Or if you're like me, you, eh, whatever. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, and two weeks after that, you come back and there's a little discoloration, and you say to yourself, gee, I wish it would stay nice and clean and fresh. But nothing ever does on this earth. Everything is bonded to corruption. We all are. We're in chains. The actual creation, God says, is bonded to corruption and yearns to be free. And God subjected it, subjected it to corruption back in Genesis 3 when man made the choice. To believe the devil and himself above God. But that's a whole nother lesson. So it says. We may. It doesn't say we will. It says we may become partakers of the divine nature. And escape that corruption. That is in this world. Through lust. Once again we have a word here. His divine nature. What is that? Because by that. If we have that divine nature, that's how we escape this corruption, right? That's how we free ourselves. So we want that divine nature. What is it? It's being born again. It's knowing about God. You know why? You know what Jesus said when you know about God? You will know the truth, and it will set you free. You know? Because you're being lied to. If you're listening to this world, you are being lied to every day. By people, some, maybe maliciously and deliberately. Most, I think, just ignorantly. Because they don't have a true deep knowledge of him. They don't have any knowledge of him. But if you ask them, they think they do. You know about Jesus? Yeah, I know about Jesus. He was a great teacher and a, and a wonderful man. Nah, you don't know about Jesus. You might think you do, but you don't. Being born again, being a new Christian, a new creation, I'm sorry, in life, gives you the ability to discern truth from error, to know right from wrong. That sounds like a very fundamental thing that everybody knows. They don't. You got your eyes open? What's going on in this world? They're saying boys and girls, little boys and girls, are exactly the same. And little girls can say, today I'm a boy. And little boys can say, today I'm a girl. And the most educated, powerful people, literally millions of them in this country say, that's true. And you should raise your children this way. Think you're being lied to? You think these people know truth or Mara? They firmly believe this. They've went to a lot more years of college than I have. But God, in his grace and mercy, has granted me some of the divine nature so that I know that ain't true. And I gotta resist that, you know? I got a guy at work, he has a, great guy. He has a sign on his locker. yeah, well, he's all right, but uh, <laughs> he has a sign on his locker and it says, the guy who dies with the most toys wins. That's a sticker on his locker, and he believes it. And he's got a lot of toys, you know. But I'm a partaker of the divine nature by the grace of God. But by grace, I mean not that I deserved it, but God opened up my eyes to the truth. And I've read Ecclesiastes, where it says, "Chasing these things, one thing after another, and thinking the more good things you attain in life." You're gonna be happy and fulfilled. What does God say about that? You're chasing the wind, my friend. Yeah. You're never gonna. You're never gonna get there. Whatever you get, you're gonna want more, and in the end, you're gonna wind up empty inside. So the divine nature, you know, in First Corinthians, here's another amazing statement of Christ uh, in, in Scripture, and there's lots of them. That's what I'm trying to point out here that are not hidden, that are not crazy stuff. Here's another thing that God says, we have the mind of Christ. What? When I read that, I was like, no, I don't. You know, over time, I don't fully understand that, I don't fully comprehend it, but I understand that God has given me a discernment of truth and an ability to recognize it and to reject error. Divine nature, Galatians five, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, when you see list of qualities like that in Scripture, don't just pass them over and say, Oh yeah, it means I gotta be a really good guy. Each word has a meaning. And you know, you might have one and not have the other. I'll talk about that a little more later. We're going to go to verse 5 now. Come on, I can't work like this. (laughs) Thank you so much. They do a great job. Uh, Verse 5. Now for this very reason, apply all diligence to your faith. Diligent means maximum effort. So, God has just given us some tremendous things, a tremendous stepping stone blueprint to the greatest issues of life, which is eternal life. He's taken care of death for you. And now He's saying, here's a way where you can start partaking in of that divine nature if you apply diligence to doing these exact things. Once again, is this some hidden mystery? Or is this a step by step? Program of how to get where God wants you to go. For this very reason, apply all diligence to your faith. Supply these things moral excellence, and to your moral excellence, knowledge, and to your knowledge, self control, to your self control, perseverance, to your perseverance, godliness, to your godliness, brotherly kindness, to your brotherly kindness, love. Moral excellence. Just talk about a couple of them quickly, because like I said, they each have different meanings, and you can't just pass them by. The same thing with negative characteristics. When Paul talks about wrath and strife and anger and clamor, you have to learn what each thing is. It doesn't take long. Just look up the word. Moral excellence. It's a Greek term, once again. Someone whose deeds stand out as excellent and outstanding. So God wants you to supply that. God just told us he's going to do everything regarding eternal life and godly living. And I know a lot of Christians say, yeah, well, how can God do everything? You know, I got to do something. And and we learn by grace. We don't really bring nothing to salvation. But if you want to become a partaker of the divine nature, if you want that grace and peace in your life and that truth and discernment in your life, you got some work to do. You got to supply moral excellence. God wants your deeds to stand out from this world. It's not something to be hidden. Knowledge we talked about, an intimate, deep knowledge of God and his truth. How do we get that? There's only one answer to that question. The Bible. That's how we get that. And at, and at times, the Bible can teach us a lot, even on our own, but there comes a time... When you need to get some help and instruction in the things of the Bible. Because your, your understanding will be widened. To your knowledge, self-control. You got self-control? Everybody got that one dialed down perfectly? I know I do. You got perseverance? Perseverance is one of the things I'm good at. I plug away at things. I have to because I get them wrong for a long time. But perseverance is enduring trials and hard times in life. Here's a a part of the divine nature that you might not think is. And knowing about the truth. Here's another thing the world is lying about. And it's telling a generation of people, you know what? You're a victim. Everything is being done to you by bad people. Those guys over there, whether they have more money than you, or they're in a different uh, political party, or they're a different race, they're doing bad things to you. And you're a victim of that. You know? And lots, and I mean lots of people, are falling for this lie. If you persevere, Or if you have the true knowledge of God In your heart, in your mind, in your soul You begin to understand That things don't happen in life Because somebody else is doing it to me My life in the last couple of weeks Has been turned upside down I'm not going to get into why And it would be easy to say Why me? How could this happen to me? I know why it's happened to me Jesus told me In this life You will have tribulation You know what tribulation means? great trouble anybody in here who hasn't had great trouble you ever hear somebody say well life isn't fair of course it's not when did anybody ever think it was life is hard and what happens when life gets hard well you can say it's that guy's fault and i'm gonna take it out on him and i'm gonna get him back Or you can know the truth and partake in the divine nature and say, yeah, I I do have very tough times and and trials I'm going through. But you know what? I'm going to do what James says. I'm going to consider it pure joy that I have these trials. Why am I going to do that? Because it's going to remind me of all God's truths that he promised me. Even with these trials and troubles in my life, God has promised me that all things will work to my good. All things, even the trials, even the things I don't like. God has promised me that though I might be pressed on every side, I'll never be crushed. God has promised me that my house is built on a rock. And when the storms of life come, which they will, my house will stand. And I know that. Because I've been many times and for years of my life, I've been broken hearted over things. Yet, at the same time, I knew I was okay. Because why? Because I'm some moral superstar of immense character? No. Because God is faithful to what he says in his word, and he makes me stand. So perseverance, godliness, this is what we're talking about, godly living. And let me tell you the biggest lie of all. It took me years to learn. I'm still learning it. Oh, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to give up all the good stuff. I'll never have fun again. You know? If I told you how I used to have fun, you'd stone me. (laughs) But God is good. He took me away from that. And, and, and it was a learning process over a lot of years. And he had to drag me along because I wanted to do it my old ways. And you know what? I delayed my divine nature. I didn't partake of it for a long time. And I paid a price for this that I continue to pay. Obey God. It's hard to do. But you know what? If you're truly born again, you're going to wind up obeying him anyway. You're just going to save yourself about Five years of grief or maybe more. And you're going to partake of this wonderful divine nature much, much earlier. And you're going to have an abundant godly life. Not free of trouble, but centered and strong. You're going to have a foundation that you know is not shaken. To your godliness, add brotherly kindness. You know, my dad got sick at one point. Brotherly kindness is putting others' needs before your own. Doing so compassionately. You know, my dad got sick. He was sick for 10 years. We kept him home. It was hard. And after he got passed away, my mom got sick. And she did 10 years at home. And we kept her home. And my my sisters did most of it, and we had some people to help out. But every once in a while, you know, I was involved, and I'd get her for the day, maybe two days. You know, and my mom... God bless her, she was someone, and this is a tough thing for me, because I'm very much, you know, you gotta do things to keep yourself healthy. But when she got sick, and after my dad died, she got on the couch, and that was it. She didn't want to move again, even to go to the bathroom. So certain days I'd have to go there, take care of these needs. You know, there was a time I was leaving there, I hated myself because I didn't do this with brotherly kindness. I did it out of, I got to do this. Come on, Ma. You know, I could be mean. And I'd leave there and it would break my heart. And I hated myself. And I'd be saying, What kind of a Christian are you? So I had to pray into the fruit of the Spirit because I love my mother, but I didn't have gentleness, I didn't have compassion. I didn't have self-control So it's not just a list of words It's a list of words with individual meaning And I had to say, Lord, I love my mom But I'm not doing well with this And you know what? It got better As soon as I started praying into it It got better I never got perfect But I got to the point where I was leaving there And saying, at least I could say You're being a good son to your mother you know, and when she died, I could say that you're being a good son to your mother. Now that might not sound like a lot, but that's, that's one of the, the rewards of life that being an obedient Chris can give you that nothing else can give you. You know So these lists of things are important, and they're worth taking some time to look at because of the benefits and the grace that God gives. We're going to jump over to verse 8 now, and we're going to look at verse 10, and we'll close this up. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, which way are you going? you know you kind of know for the most part it's a very hard thing I, I, was, I was a master at trying to do this you know I'm going to stay right in the middle of the fence here I'm going to obey in a lot of things but there are certain things let's keep him out of this part of my life you know he don't need to come in here my taxes you know my sex life eh, he don't. you know what It's a trap. It's a trap, and you pay a price, and you delay the really good stuff that God wants to give you. So which way are you moving? Are these qualities yours and increasing, or are you getting more angry? You're getting more fed up. You're feeling more anxiety. If that's the truth, what does Paul say about it? Test yourself to see that you are in the faith, you know? If these things are happening in your life, you need to look at it. Maybe you need to go talk. Talk to Brian or John. Maybe you need to pray about it with a good Christian friend. You need to get it out in the open and and deal with it. Because God wants you to have this divine nature. You know why? It feels really good. It's a lot better than just trying to white-knuckle it on your own. I'll get better. No, you won't, probably. But if you ask for help, especially if you get on your knees, even if you're not a believer and say, God, I don't even know the truth, but I know I'm not happy. And I know there's something wrong with the way I think and the way I'm living because I'm thoroughly unhappy. Teach me the truth. Bring me to the truth. I know God will answer that. And he'll bring you to it. Verse 10. Therefore. I don't know why I skipped verse nine, but I did, so. All right, let's read it. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten he was cleansed from his former sins. The way I sum that up is, and this is not 100% scriptural, but my intuition on it is that he has forgotten, he was cleansed from his former sins. If you're living a life apart from the divine nature and you're a Christian, you've forgotten what Jesus has done for you, you're forfeiting all the benefits of it. Your sins are forgiven, but as the scripture says, you'll get into heaven with the smell of smoke on you from the fire you just barely escaped. And while you're here on this earth, this abundant divine is living that is so full of The fruit of the spirit, once again, we'll do it quickly. You want these things in your life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Want that in your life? Well, you want strife, anger, anxiety, fear, trouble, worry, neurotic. Verse 10. Don't forget what Jesus has did for you. Don't forget what he wants even more to do for you. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. Once again, diligent. It's twice he said it. That means maximum effort to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble into doubt. Stumble into doubt about what? About, about whether you're Jesus or not. About whether you're saved or not. If these qualities are yours and they are increasing, you're not gonna be subject to the, as Paul puts it, every wind of doctrine that comes along that blows you to the left or to the right. You're gonna know what you have because you're working on it diligently every day. And God, when, when God sees you working that way, he pours rewards into you. Maybe not the rewards of this earth. You, you ain't going to get rich. You're going to be rich in character. You're going to be rich in strength. You know what? I said earlier, uh, I'm not, I don't want to die. But I'll tell you one thing. I don't fear death. I don't know what's out there on the other side of it. And I love living, so I want to live as long as I can and as well as I can. But I'll tell you one thing. I know by faith that what's on the other side of this life is way better than what I'm holding on to here. And in some senses, I eagerly anticipate it and want it. But I don't want to die. But I anticipate what God has for me because I know it's better than this. Because everything he has ever given me since the day I walked in here, A, I didn't want it. And B, it turned out to be so much better than everything I was holding on to. And that has been a process of over 20 years. I'll keep holding on to this. You know, at this point, you think at my age, I'd wise wise up. And I have. I don't want to paint a a dark picture. I don't hold on to as much as I used to. You know, when God gets my attention, I say, Lord, just get me there. I'll mess it up. You just get me there. You know what? He answers that prayer. So to close it up, You know, if you come in here thinking you need a, a deep, um, I'm searching for the word, knowledge of hermeneutics and studying God's word. And there are people who are called, uh, called upon to do that. Brian and John are two of them. And praise God that there are people who are called to deeply study God's word and teach it and bring it to us because we need that. But scripture is for you. It's for everyone. These 10 verses of scripture, once again, I'll just go over it one more time. They gave you his precious and magnificent promises, which were what? Do you remember? Eternal life. He said to you in 10 verses, that's what I love about scripture. Scripture in 10 verses just solved every problem you have in your life, whether you know it or not. <laughs> it's exactly what it did. You know, it might be a lifetime journey of getting there, but every day you step in that direction, you're going to feel more and more how true it is. Praise God. It gave you a step-by-step blueprint of how to have a godly, abundant life and never fear death again. You can't buy that, bro. You cannot buy that. You can't get that anywhere else. So God loves us, and he wants to give us good things, Lord. You know, I stand in awe. I say, I say, I, I can't say it humbly enough how little I deserve the good things you've given me. And I know I'm not the worst guy in the world. I don't want to overplay it, and we all have done what we do. But when you think about how many times... You've done things that you know that it's not God's word. It's not what God wants you to do. You even pray about it and say, God, I don't want to do this again. And as you're praying it, you know you're going to. And you think, how could God ever forgive me and still love me when in the back of my mind I'm, pl- I'm plotting to do it again? But he does. Because his forgiveness and his grace and his love, it never wears, it never wears out. That's part of his divine power too, his mercy. It's unfathomable. If anybody, if anybody did that to any one of us, there'd come a point where we say, that's it. I cannot forgive you anymore. God never gets to that point once you become his. And you can know that and you can have that. And like I said, this was not some mystical hidden mystery. Just with a little application of biblical knowledge, a little bit of study... A guy like myself, who is not highly educated, who is not an expositor of God's Word, a trained expositor of God's Word, can break down ten verses of Scripture so you could do it. And you know what it is? It's a blueprint, a step-by-step blueprint. Ten verses to everything you will ever need in your life. And you know what else? There's a thousand other things just like it in God's Word. So we love you, God. Thank you. Praise you. Bless the rest of this service. Bless the people here. I pray everyone here would know the truth about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray everyone here who, when they're faced with the presence of God and feels that fear, as we all do the first time, oh, I don't, I don't want to be that holy. I don't want to be that good. Anyone who feels that way, anyone who's struggling and hesitating, moving forward in the things of God, I pray that God's Holy Spirit would bring a truth and an impetus and a way Make these people hear, Lord. Open up their ears. Open up the ears and the hearts and the minds of our loved ones, of our children, of our aunts and uncles, of our parents, of our husbands, of our wives. All the children of this church, Lord, open up their ears and eyes, because apart from you, we can do nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.